And Michael, thank you for um, thank you for coming back. You currently live in Kansas City. Kansas City, correct? yes, yes. And I w wanted to wear my cowboy boots to bring some Kansas here, but my daughter said you cannot bring those to California. So your daughter's a wise woman. She is, yes. And I highly doubt that you have. Do you have cowboy boots? Like legitimately? Do you? Ask my wife. Do I have cowboy boots? Does he does? It's how far you've fallen since you've left? It's so weird. So crazy. Um, so, Mike, you were here, obviously, at the inception of this. You're the founding pastor of Crosswalk Church. I'd love to hear a little bit of a story about the spark that ignited Crosswalk and, and how it became kind of what it is. So, yes, we, we were actually over at the Azure Hills Church, and I was there working with what they called Young and Restless at the time. Right. And, and <laughs> there's, yes, a few. Ooh, there's a few. There's yes. a few, yes. But see, now, they're, now they're old and need rest, so... <laughs> And so we, we had started this group called um, Experiencing God. It was Tuesday nights with God, and there was a curriculum called Experiencing God right. from Black Bean King Black, we were yep. going through. And in there, it, he talks about God-sized mission. And we began thinking as a group, well, what is God calling us to? What, what is the one thing that you can only, when you look back, know only God did that, we didn't do that. Right. And in fact, that's a Hebrew concept from the Old Testament, which was that they thought about in, went into the future, they walked backwards into the future. And God would say, when something happens, when I do something and step in, I want you to build up a pile of rocks, an altar, so that when you pass by there again, you'll tell your kids what happened in this moment and what God did for you. So the image is, they would always, they knew the future was coming, they were planning, but it was always walking backwards saying, God did this, God did this, God did this, so that they knew in the future, God would continue to act. Mm -hmm. So we, we believe that. So this group came together. We felt this calling to create a, a, a tighter community and it grow and expand that. And with every great organization, you need a mission statement, right? Yes. Again, they don't know. I don't. You need a mission statement. You Same really thing mission happened statement. at 1030. But I knew that mission statement I did not want to have. And that was traditionally churches would always try to cram their belief statement into a mission statement. You know, so it, I simplified it down like this. Is a lot of churches have this. They have, we are the real church. We have the right beliefs and we go on the right day. And that's our mission. Right. That's not inspiring. Not at all. It doesn't change lives. It's that you're just telling, I, I don't know what it does. So we said, we're going to do something else. So we really want to figure out why do we exist? And so we brought a small group together and the word that kept coming up was love. And it's pretty simple. You know, Jesus said, love God, love others and love yourself. So we knew it had to be something about love, that we were going to be a community of love. And then someone in the room said, well, we better do it well. Mm -hmm. And we had a whiteboard, and we had some things written up. And in that moment, there was the spark, which was love well. And that's how it came to be. And then someone said, well, we got to add the word learning because we need, we need to learn how to do this. It's not always natural for us. Right. So we're going to be learning to love well, which means we never stop learning to do that. And that, that's how that was born. That's awesome. And that's what created it. It was nothing I did or the group. It was what God was doing in that moment. Yeah, we call that the sacred echo, right? Yeah. The Holy Spirit working with amongst, amongst a group of people. That's and right. so you're at Azure Hills. You know that God's calling you to something big. And then you had an opportunity to move over here. Yeah, so we had this campus come available. Uh, the previous church was in here moved out. We decided to, to launch out of Azure Hills and plant this. And we launched out of there. We only had $80,000 and a few hundred of us, and we had to take over this big campus. We had to gut this whole place right here, and it was done through a labor of love from all the people that were back here then who put their sweat and, and tears and energy into it. That's why you're here today, is because of what they did. 
um, in this place. I hope I don't run over time, but if, if you good. were here back in the first five years of this campus, just stand up right now because yeah. you need to be recognized for what you did. So the seat you're sitting on, when we came here, there was no chairs here. It was empty. So we had to buy chairs. Right. We didn't know how to come up with the money. So I thought to myself, you know what? What if I ask everyone to buy their own chair? So when you got here, he had something to sit in. And then we'll take it a step further. Why don't you buy a chair for someone you're actually going to invite to this campus? There you go. So they did. They bought their own chair, and they bought the next chair. That's good. And the first week when we opened up, we had all about 790 chairs crammed in here. <laughs> and about 400 of us moved over. And on that first week, we were completely packed, standing room only, because people actually invited people to church. Wow, that's amazing. And it was it was. It was the reason why is because with our mission, we wanted to make sure we expected people every week to show up who have never been in a church or have not been in a long time. Right. So it forces you to become very creative, very inventive of what you do, and you have to be a safe, accepting, loving community to do that. That's right. So there was, uh, I remember she was sitting over here where Wes and Shelley are sitting, and um, she was attending one of the state schools here in college. She came up and she said, I'm so excited. I was standing down here right before service. She said, Pastor Mike, she said, I'm so excited. I invited a classmate from my university, and they've never been in a church before. <laughs> and then she looks at me, and she goes, so don't mess it up today. <laughs> Talk about nervous preaching. Yeah, for sure. That's just rattling in your mind, but we truly believed in that. Right. We haven't talked about this before, um, but... You, we have the five end statements, and the first end statement is just really powerful. It's the shortest, so people remember it, but um, it's also a, the most powerful one. We want to be a community of belonging. Could you maybe talk about what that meant to you guys at the time? So, yeah, we really want to make sure that whoever came was loved and they felt instantly involved. And so we involved people right away. Um, we got them to volunteer because we said, attending's great, and we want you to start attending, but you've got to become involved. Because then you realize that's where things begin to happen. Right. When we become involved, that's where you see things like Malia, who just got baptized. Yeah. That's why we're here. And it doesn't happen unless people get involved and they feel a sense of belonging into a community. Right. So that was very key. That's why it was our first end statement. And, and, and that has still remained true and really powerful for us. You, you built that into the DNA of the church right from the beginning, which was pretty incredible. Um, we, we've done this a few times. We've, we've said the same thing. But is there any story that you haven't told yet that you'd like to just share? Oh, wow. Um, Sorry, I'm totally putting you on the spot. After no, the third time. So. It's good. I, I'm going to go back. I shared it last night, but I haven't shared yeah. it yet today. Yeah, do it today. Um, and that was, it really embodies the spirit of this community. Uh, back in our day, this, we, we did not have LED lights. We had Parkan lights, which were extremely hot. And some of them were 1,100 watts. And when we turned all the stage lights on, the place would heat up. So we had to make sure Friday night we got this like around 60 degrees, as cold as we could get it, so we could sort of last through second service right. here. Um, and one Friday evening, I, I thought, oh, I don't think we turned the air conditioners down. So at 11 o'clock, I came here to the campus to turn the air on and make sure it was comfortable. And I saw Dr. Larry Thomas in his car parked right out here in front of the church. And, and Larry's passed away, and it, it, it just my heart grieved when he passed away. Yeah. And I went up, and I knocked on the window and scared the poor guy. <laughs> I said, Larry, what are you doing here? 
And he says, Mike, I'm here praying for the people who are going to come tomorrow. I'm praying for you. I know you're speaking tomorrow. And I'm praying for the next person who's never been in a church, you know, that they hear Jesus, that they feel a sense of belonging and love. I said, Larry, do you do this a lot? He goes, I do this multiple times a month. I come here on Friday nights and pray for this community. And here's what I loved about Larry. He would not drink caffeine all week, (laughs) except for Saturday morning. He came in on high-octane caffeine because he wanted to worship. And I was like, why are you so excited? He goes, I only drink coffees on Sabbath, man, and I am ready to worship. Uh, along those lines, um, our drip coffee machines, Larry actually bought them for us when I first got here. Um, so he was like, we need to make sure everyone's caffeinated, apparently. <laughs> Larry gave of his heart. He gave of his funds. He resourced our work in Ethiopia, Gimby. He, he poured so much financially into this place. Yeah. It was amazing. No, and I think you, this church has had a legacy of people who have just committed for the long term and have been here in, in good seasons and in difficult seasons through Crosswalk. But, Mike, I want to thank you for your vision early on because you, um, and we can go a little longer. I know there's a countdown, but we can go a little longer. This is the noon service, so we can go to three. <laughs> um, yeah. um, this, this church was engaged in technology and innovation really early on. You were the first Seventh-day Adventist church to live stream on the internet. People were doing it on TV, but this was the first church to do it on the actual internet. And that really set up a legacy for what we're doing now, I think. And um, tell us about that a little bit. So when you talk about the last 20 years, this will begin to really date us. Right, I know. Um, imagine a world without any smartphones, iPhones, nothing of that sort. You remember the phrase DSL? That was the fastest internet back at the time that we could find. And we paid a lot of money right. per month for, for the highest DSL. And, and we said, people come here and then they leave, but they still want to be connected. So we thought, well, we could start broadcasting on the internet. And our camera was a security camera that could do 360 degrees of the joystick. It was mounted in the ceiling. You only had one view of the stage. And you had these little tiny windows in real time or quick yeah, time quick on time the computer. Quick time or real time, yeah. And, and people would watch and connect that way. And it was great. And people would come through here and then they'd leave and move somewhere else and stay connected. But what wasn't great was they weren't part of a community. Right. So they'd sit in front of a screen and, and say, oh, yeah. And then they remember the good old days and they were here and involved and serving and, and life was great. But there was a longing of, of something more. So I felt bad because... I knew people would come through here, feel the love, feel the acceptance, feel the belonging, feel the love well. Then when they would leave school or move out of the area, they would go where they didn't have it. Mm-hmm. And that, that actually hurt my heart. Yeah. Um, and we tried to figure out what can we do. Um, so there's a group in Northern California that. that said, hey, can you come up and help us get something started like this? And maybe we could do something with the live stream or not. And so I went up there. In fact, you were up there. I was, I was with you. We had done a show up at Laguna Seca yeah. at that big Christian com- – and you were my ride home, so you're like, oh, we're going here. You're stuck and with me. I was me. like, oh, okay, I guess I'm doing that. Um, but, yeah. So I went to talk to this group, and we tried to figure it out, but we didn't have – A, the technology wasn't there, but we didn't have the model or the, or the, the construct to do that. And that was not something that was going to happen in our time and place. That would come later when, when you came here, which was to grow your crosswalk campuses. So I stand in awe of what you are doing right now across the U.S. Um, it's, it's phenomenal because it's one thing to watch something on a screen 
But it's life transformational to be in a room with other people Mm -hmm. living life with them. So by you taking crosswalk to other cities, you are creating the next chair. You're buying the next chair for them, for those that will come to church. So, and it starts right here. It's what you've done and are doing, and I'm blown away by it. You cannot stop doing that. You have to keep that going and keep it growing because that is changing lives, and that only happens in community with other people. It's, it's amazing. Thank you, man. Thank you. And, and I will say that the, the seed of that was put in that night as you were talking to the group up in Northern California. I, at first, I didn't know what was going on. Then I was like, oh, this is, this is a really cool idea. I was skeptical that it could happen. Um, but then I got the next 15 years about to think about how to do it. And when I got here in 2014, we were able to move in that direction. So thank you for your innovative thought back in the day. Um, Mike, I just want to thank you for your ministry, for your vision, for the way that you poured into this church and built such a solid foundation that for me as a pastor, it was a joy to walk into this place and, and say, hey, the, the bones are here. The DNA is here. All we have to do is build on some already really vision-oriented, Jesus-centered good work. So thank you, Mike. And thanks for coming back for our 20th anniversary. Yeah, so, um, so, so we look back and we think about what we've done. And then we say, wow, 20 years, which, um, which if you're younger than 20 years, that feels like a long time. And then when you're 50, you're like, that's nothing. You know nothing in 20 years, right? Just so you know, like in North America, the standard life cycle of a church, this is in general, in general Christianity, the standard life cycle of church is about 60 years, right? So in, in that kind of statistical understanding, we're about a third of the way through. Um, Seventh-day Adventist churches don't really work that way because we believe that Jesus shuts churches down when he shows up. And so we keep all churches open even longer than they probably should sometimes, which is maybe not healthy, but that's kind of the way that we've done it. Um, I've had the opportunity, the blessing to work here since October 2014, and it has been an amazing blessing. But as I've thought about the last 20 years and have thought about the next 20 years, there's a few questions that pop into my head that I keep going over and trying to work through and make sure I'm understanding. And they're pretty simple questions. The first question is this, are we loving well? Right? It's great to have a mission statement. And, you know, um, when I got here, the mission, the whole mission statement was learning to love well, which is still, you know, kind of the legacy mission statement. I chopped off the first part because it didn't fit on a sticker nearly as well. And now we're just love well. Um, but, but the, uh, the, the question is not, um, how are you doing church? How are you doing these? The real question about what we are as a community, as a faith community, as a network of churches now is, are we actually loving well? Every year or every month we do a all campus call, we call it a Zoom meeting with all of our campus leads. And at the end of it this Tuesday, I said, listen, for, and we always talk about infrastructure, equipment, how we're doing stuff, what's working, what's not, that sort of thing. I said, listen, at the end of all of this, the biggest question is, are we actually hitting our mission statement? Are we loving well? So how are we doing that? How are we bringing more compassion, more mercy, more justice, more equity into the world? How are we showing the world who Jesus is because of the way that we're treating 
people, because of the way that we're creating communities of belonging, because of the way that we're advocating for people uh, that have less than we do or need more than we do. So this is the first question that we have to ask ourselves. If we're not doing these things, then we really need to think about whether or not it's worthwhile that Crosswalk is around for another 20 years. Because if it's just a place that has a great slogan, then it's just another place with a great slogan. And we need to be and are called to be more than that. So the second question I have to ask is, are we constantly discovering and rediscovering Jesus in new, wistful, and meaningful ways in our lives? Uh, Many of you know that I was part of the One Project for quite a few years, still am, and um, that was a real turning point in my life where I decided, okay, I'm going to talk about, all I want to do is talk about Jesus. That's what I was called into. I was called into gospel ministry. It's my job to talk about Jesus. That's what I want to do. That was 13 years ago. And I got to tell you, every single time I step up in the pulpit, my heart quickens, uh, the adrenaline pumps up because I have the opportunity to talk about who Jesus is and how our lives intersect with who Jesus is. Can we, can we actually be a church that just preaches Jesus and still makes an impact in the world as part of our Seventh-day Adventist um, World denomination. (laughs) Um, And when I think about it, I think about Paul and the words that he said in 1 Corinthians. Because I feel like Paul's a guy who was like structure-oriented and process-oriented. He did a lot of stuff. He wrote, you know, the book of Romans, which is kind of his theology and how all this works. He's writing to the church in Corinthians. And he says this. He like, I don't know if he dumbed it down is the right word, but he wanted to make it really simple. So he said this. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. Paul said, listen, people are coming to your churches and, and they're saying stuff like, I've got secret knowledge that if you just listen enough, I'll let you into the club. Or, or, he, they, they were overwhelming people with intellectualism and, and lofty words is the, is the phrase that he uses, right? Or novel kind of preaching. He said, I, I committed not to do that when I was with you. I committed to just talk about Jesus and him crucified. And, and that's kind of the way I feel about the ministry here and at what we're supposed to be doing and talking about. I don't want to get caught up talking about everything else that's happening in the world because we live that. We know that. I want, to, I want to talk about Jesus and how Jesus affects what's happening in our lives, in the lives of others, and in the world around us. So we have to ask our question, are we just constantly discovering or rediscovering Jesus? And then lastly, the question that I ask is, are we forwarding the mission of expanding the kingdom of God in abundance. Now, the reason why I use the term in abundance is because that's how Crosswalk has always worked, and it's been incredible. The last nine years have been amazing in the way that you've supported the ministries and grown this church and given of your finances and those types of things. It's been incredible. And, um, and we've always worked in abundance. And now when I go other places and I speak or I teach or I do something, people will come up and go, oh, we'd love to do what you do, but we can't because we don't have enough people. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough space. We don't have enough, you know, whatever. And, and they're not believing in the abundance of God. And when we plant churches, listen, we plant, people call us up and they say, hey, we've got 10 people meeting in a house. Is that enough to plant a church? And we're like, yeah, sure, because God's going to bring more. God's going to honor the work that you do, and we're going to have enough. You see, you got to understand that, that abundance and faith in the abundance of God doesn't start when the spreadsheet has a, a, a positive. It actually starts 
When you're beginning to wonder if we're going to make it because the Holy Spirit sometimes has to fill those gaps. God actually has to do it. What Mike said, a God-sized mission. Sometimes you have to go way out ahead of your skis. You got to get really excited about the good work and big work that God is calling you to. And then you have to have faith that the abundance of God is what's going to fill that gap so you can look back and say, we never could have done that. I think the best example of that is Crosswalk Chattanooga. When they had to raise $2 million in 14 days in order to keep their spot where they were worshiping. And it happened. Over 264 individual gifts, no gifts over $100,000 until the very last few minutes, actually, of that campaign. It wasn't because they had people who were really good at fundraising. It was because they had people who had faith in the abundance of God and the generosity that God puts in the hearts of his people to see his mission happen. Right? And so that's what we experience. So are we doing that? And, and you wonder, like, like, how can I be a part of that? Because, you know, we're planting churches other places. What do you do as a local congregation? How does Crosswalk in Redlands make a difference? Well, the first thing is simple. And Mike mentioned it. Become an invitation. Right? You, we want to be an invitational church. A church that brings people in. We start this simply. And I want to recognize something right now. You've got people in your life that need Jesus really, really badly right? But you cannot invite them to church today. That's not going to work. They're not prepared for that. But you know what you can do? You can invite them to a block party or you can invite them to, you know, um, a, a mommy and me kind of kids play thing that we do on Friday morning. You can invite them to a Christmas social. You can invite them to VBS and bring their kids to VBS. You can invite them to, you know, eventually church once they get to know the community. But we need to be a community that is invitational significantly and as much as we can. I expect our congregation to bring people to church because that's how we forward the gospel in very small ways. So that's really important that we do that. Another way that you can get involved in the mission and vision that God has given to Crosswalk Church is this, volunteer, right? The people who have stayed around for the last 20 years, and I can point to you, every single one of them is deeply engaged in working with God and with the community to forward the mission of Crosswalk Church. There's nobody who's been here for 20 years who's been sitting in a chair and not doing something. Right? So if you come to Crosswalk Church and you've been kind of waiting to figure out when God is going to prompt you to begin to engage and volunteer, let me, let me speak boldly to you right now. This is the voice of the Holy Spirit telling you now. It's now. Right? Don't wait any longer to get involved because you can only be a tourist for so long until you either have to decide on citizenship or decide if you're going to immigrate somewhere else. It's the truth. Eventually people are like, why are you still here? But I believe that God is calling you to the work of the gospel through Crosswalk Church. So you need to engage and you need to volunteer. It strengthens the community. It strengthens your bond with other people. It also gives you the opportunity to see what God is calling you to do specifically. Another way that you can engage so that we're making sure that we're moving the mission of God through abundance to not only other places, but also here in Redlands and with our community is that you can engage, and I'm talking particularly in giving. Right? Over the last nine years, we've had an incredible season of abundance in finances. Right? This year's been a little bit difficult, but the, the economy is a little bit different as well. The previous giving has allowed us to move forward without pause. This year is an opportunity to give to the local church and to the last lift campaign because of the work that God has called us to do. But you have to look at giving as a spiritual discipline. All right? It is not something that you do happenstance. It's not something that just accidentally happens. It's you sitting down and working with God what you can do with the money that God has given you to steward in your life. 
How can you honor God, the relationship that you have with him, and the way that God is working through you and through the church by giving of your finances. And that's not something that happens when you go, oh yeah, I should give and whip out the app. It's something that you sit down with your budget and work through as a spiritual discipline because it's helping you grow more deeply into the faith and abundance of God. All right? And I know, I get it. Listen, I have to pay for gas too. Right? Every single time you're like, three digits, Really? It's really expensive. Life is expensive. I get that. But also, we're people who live by faith, right? And sometimes we give God his due at the beginning because we know that God will make sure that it lasts throughout the whole time and he's going to fill those gaps in our lives. So engaging is this. And by the way, you do these things. You invite, you volunteer, you get involved in spiritual disciplines like giving. You engage really in your spiritual life. As you do that, what happens is if you're thinking about, think about this metaphor, right? It's a, it's a pot that's boiling. It's a pot that you've put on the stove and every one of these things is raising the heat level a little bit, right? You're taking things in, you're growing, you're learning, you're studying, you're volunteering. All of this is raising the level of the heat and the water is beginning to to boil. You know what happens when you finally get to the point where the water's boiling? It stops taking in energy and it begins to release energy. And that's where we need to be as a people of faith, right? Doing all these things that have raised the heat level of our spiritual lives to the point where we're now pouring out into the world and changing, literally changing the feel of the atmosphere in the world because of the way that we're giving um, away with the energy that we have that God has grown. Because this all leads to growth, and growth is really important. In a big church like this, particularly at Crosswalk and Redlands, um, it's easy to say, and we've heard this before, people going, ah, it's a big church. It's a mile wide and an inch deep. Well, this is one of the reasons we hired John Ciccarelli, because he is a pastor who deeply believes in sitting at the foot of Christ and, and bringing people along with him on that journey so we can go more deeply into our spiritual lives. We're, we're doing malpractice if all we do is a service once a week and then let you go and never talk to you again. It's a great filling station, but it doesn't become a wellspring of deep spiritual growth in your life. And it's not just John's responsibility. I want to be clear. I don't want to f- scare him the first day. Right? It's actually your responsibility, and we're here to help. So that's really important that we do all these things together. Right? So, so these are the questions that bounce around my head and the answers to some of those questions. But when I think about what the next 20 years holds, i got to go back to Scripture and learn a couple things first. Right? The first one is this. I, I've, been, I've been kind of resting on this passage for a little while. Matthew 16, 18. Right? He's talking to Peter for part of this conversation. And then he actually is talking to the church. And this is important. Um, it says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. Right? That's for Peter. This next part's for you. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. What Jesus is doing is he's actually saying that the local church, right? And he's talking, I believe, about the local church, the church that I'm about to build. And this is our expression of the body of Christ, right? When you come to the local church, when you engage in community, this expression of the whole body of Christ becomes really important. Why? Because it pushes back on the gates of hell that is trying to take over the world. What I'm saying is that the local church is the hope of the world. 
We belong to lots of different organizations, but there's something particular that the local church can do as you love well, as you love one another, as you love your neighbors, as you invite them, as you get engaged in the work of the church and the ministry of the church going out to forward the mission of God in abundance. As you do that, we literally are pushing back on the gates of hell that wants to take over. We're about to go into a, I know you've heard me say this, we're about to go into a really contentious time. And do you think any political party is going to create the unity that this world needs? Any ideology is going to create what this world needs? No. It's the love that comes from people who are committed to one another through Christ. And this is why the local church is important. All right? The good news is we don't do the work of the local church. We don't do this liturgy, they call it, the work of the people. We don't do this by ourselves. And to this, we go to 1 Corinthians 3, 9, where it says, for we are both God's workers. And what a better translation is probably we are co-laborers with God in God's field and we are God's building, right? So God is building up the church in his field because he owns the whole thing anyway, right? And we are co-laborers with God. This is why we talk about the great co-mission all the time, Right? We do this for God, we do this through God, and we do this with God. So wherever God sends us, it is a blessing. So I think we could probably guess that it means that there probably is going to be continued growth. I would think so. But what does that growth look like? I don't always know. We've tried to prepare more than plan. I know the screen's going crazy a little bit, but it's apparently celebrating 20 years too. Um, So... For instance, growth over this last few years has been seven campuses, when we include Australia, with many more to come, the conversations we're having. In fact, I'm thinking that on the 21st, we may open up that conversation a little bit. I may tell you some of the stuff that's really going on. Um, Over 1,000 people meeting here at Redlands every single week, and online we double that throughout the week. It's been amazing growth. But how does growth look in the next 20 years? I know this, we will only continue to grow if we continue to love well. Because there's a danger of becoming too focused on, on one thing, on the brand, or too focused on a preacher or a teacher. So this is why we're bringing more voices into the conversation. Like if you've heard the Sacred Echo podcast, we've got Pastor Dave Ferguson from Chattanooga and Pastor Patty and I. We sit down and we have a conversation about what we're preaching about and what we're talking about. We want to make sure that this is not something that's based on one personality, but it's something that's based on a movement of God. And there's lots of voices in that movement, which are really important. Which means that over the next 20 years, we're going to have to continue to innovate. Because if you looked at some of the video that we had from 20 years ago, this church looks very different than it does today. And I don't know what this church is going to look like in 20 years. I'll be 72, right? And I have no idea what the church is going to look like. Some of you who are laughing are going to be older, so ha, just for the record. I see you. Um, what I, I don't want to be that guy who's like, ah, these young, what they do, they destroyed the church. We back in my day, it was just one drum set. I guess it's two now. Like, it's already changing. Um, but, but I don't know what the church is supposed to look like, but I want to be on, the, on kind of the bleeding edge of innovation of what church is going to be and how communities are going to be built and how the kingdom of God is going to grow. That takes time. That takes effort. That takes energy. That takes giving. It takes the opportunity to see where God is moving us. But we stay with our mission. We make sure that we're on mission and we don't have mission drift because the mission to love well doesn't change, and I don't think it needs to, to show people the love of Jesus through loving well and through making sure that the hallmark of our communication is love. It's compassion. It's mercy. It's justice. It's equity. And it's momentum. 
How do we stay on mission and not drift? It goes back to my second question. It's a focus on Jesus. It's on prayer. It's on the disciplines and discipleship, knowing who we are, why we do what we do, and learning how to do it better and better each day. But here's the problem. When you build the church that you want to go to, you have to give it away. And I just said this to North Houston as they were planting and they started meeting weekly. I said to Portland last week when I was up there celebrating their two years and getting the church status. Once you have a church, now it's time you have to give it away because the church is not for us. The church is for those who are going to come in the door and sit in those blue seats. It's for the future generations, right? The ones that are here and wondering when they get to be in charge and the ones that haven't even been born yet. The church is not just for us. And as we get older, we have to know that, hey, it's okay to turn it away. We're 20 and we have to give it away to other people. And God's not going to change the mission. God's not going to change the the statement that we will be a community of belonging. But it means that the church is going to look and feel differently over the years. And I'm really excited for that. I know this, when we look at the next 20 years, God makes some promises to his people. And the one that's probably overused and a little too famous is the Jeremiah text where he says, for I know the plans I have for you. There are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. And I believe that this is what God wants for us, has for us. And if we're faithful to the mission that he's called us to, to love well, we will see that happen. We will see God continue to give us a future and a hope. And the reason why we know this is exactly what Michael said. We're walking to the future. We're walking to those next 20 years, looking back, looking at the altars that God has built. This is one, 20 years. This is an altar that we're building to God saying, hey, this is the good that you've done for us and through us and with us. And we can tell our children at 20 years, we recognize how good God was. And this is also a moment of reflection to understand for you personally, how God has been good to you. And so as we sing this next song, we've got a QR code that we're putting on the screen. It'll be here and then it'll be over on the other screens in the lower third. And I just want you to ask this question. It'll give you an opportunity to text in, how has God been good to you in the past? And where has God moved in your life? And so I want you to do that. We'll show them on the screen as we sing this song. And for those that we don't get to as you leave, we'll put those up as well. But this is an opportunity for you to think about how good God has been, because we know here at Crosswalk how good God has been to us.